0: Good morning, Adam Brock. How are we? Hey, it's good to be here with you. Uh, If you're a guest with us this morning, um, I just especially want to give you a warm welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're watching online, hey, we're glad you're tuned in. We consider you a part of this uh, church family here. And way to go, everybody, making it to church. I do want to take a second just to thank everybody who uh, made it out to Rock the Block last week, especially if you served uh, at Rock the Block. Just a great opportunity for us in a very tangible way to love our community and, and show our community the love of Jesus Christ. And so I want to go ahead and put it on your radar uh, that we were going to have another outreach event coming up. We do it every Halloween. It's called Harvest Fest. And so I already want to get you thinking about that, how you can invest your, your time and resources into making Harvest Fest uh, happen because, again, it's a way for us to show love uh, to, our, to our neighbors. Uh, we are in a series right now called What If You Prayed, and I thought that was, this is pretty fitting considering that last week Pastor Bob got up here, do you remember this? And he prayed, God, would you please make the rain stop? <laughs> he prayed that the rain would stop because uh, that morning it was raining and we were getting a little nervous about uh, Rock the Block and what the weather was going to look like. Uh, the rain eventually did clear up, but I was still concerned as we were getting ready for the event. You know, that the ground was going to be wet and just nasty, uh, that the, the tables and chairs were going to be covered in water. Uh, but, but surprisingly, I mean, it showed up, and besides a few puddles here and there, the parking lot was bone dry, uh, the, the tables and the, the, the chairs had dried off, and the weather, I would say, couldn't have been nicer. It wasn't too hot, it wasn't too cold, and I believe that's one of the reasons we had our... Uh, greatest turnout. But it started, I believe, with Pastor Bob getting up here and praying for the weather. Now, let me just ask you a question. Do you believe that God can even change weather patterns (laughs) and cause things to to dry out? I mean, it can be really easy to rationalize that stuff. Yeah, it was just going to do that anyways, but I mean, it couldn't have been nicer. No one got sunburned, right? It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. Made it for an enjoyable, very enjoyable experience. Um, Our Rock the Block. Um, but I don't know, if you're like me, it, it can be very tempting to, to rationalize away prayers, and I was thinking about that this week. Why sometimes when we actually experience, a, I mean, right before us, right right in our midst, answer to prayer, can it be so easy just to kind of forget about it and just chalk it up to um, coincidence? Coincidence. I think one of the reasons is we we read our Bibles, and I mean, it's written there, right? God did this, and we read it, and so it's easy to believe. But we're living it. And so sometimes it can be challenging to really believe is God really moving? Is He really answering um, our prayers? The Bible teaches that He does. In fact, we read some incredible stories in the Bible last week. We talked about King Hezekiah. had vic was given victory through his prayer over the most powerful army in the world at the time, even though his army was, was very small in comparison. Uh, he prayed, and 15 years were added to his life. We read about a man named Elijah who prayed, and he was able to heal a boy from death. Uh, he was able to pray and, and, and change the weather. He ended a drought after seven years. And then we even read about the early church who gathered together and they prayed, and soon after they prayed, thousands and thousands of people surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches there is is something powerful that happens when we we pray. And that's why I challenged you last week, what if Edinburgh was to be a church known for praying? What if we were known as a church who prays, and, and each one of us woke up Each and every day, and we prayed for ourselves, our families, but didn't just stop there. We prayed for our church, and we prayed for each other. We prayed for physical and mental and emotional and spiritual health. We prayed for our children, protection and empowerment, wherever they're at, starting off this school year. And what if we got really crazy, and we prayed that we would reach 200 more people, and see 200 more people surrender their life to Jesus this next year? Friends, last week we started praying that, and two people last week gave their life to Jesus. All right? That's something we can celebrate. So only 198 more to go, all right? But amazing things start to happen when God's people come together and pray. And so I want to challenge you to pray, because what I got thinking about again this week was what happens when we don't pray? What would happen if the church wouldn't have gathered and prayed to see all those people come to know Christ? Um... This past summer, I, I went to mow the lawn. It was the first time I, I mowed the lawn uh, after spring. But I went to use the lawnmower, and it was, it, it was broken. It wasn't working. I couldn't get it to start. And so I spent a good hour messing around with it. Uh, I poured some gas in. Uh, I, I, I put some new oil in it. Um, I figured it still wasn't starting, so maybe the spark plug was bad. I even went to the store, bought a new spark plug. Put the the, the new spark plug in. In the process of taking the old one out, I cut my finger pretty good. Blood was everywhere. Uh, But eventually got the new one in, and then so I start pulling on the starter, nothing happens. Pull on the starter again, nothing happens. I end up pulling on the starter roughly 30 times or more, and there is no sign of life in this lawnmower. Well, I had to take my son Logan to baseball practice, so I left, came back about an hour later to find Danielle mowing the front yard with the lawnmower, which, by the way, was a beautiful sight to see. You know, I was half tempted to just drive around the block a few times, but she saw me come in, so she stopped so that I could take over, and the first thing I said, honey, how did you get the lawnmower to work? She said, well, I prayed over it, and then I just pulled on the starter a few times, and it started right up. I I said, you don't understand. I said, I worked on this thing for like an hour. I even showed her the wound on my finger, still bleeding. She said, well, did you pray? I said, did you pray? (laughs) Friends, why is it that we can forget to pray? I mean, why is it that it's so hard to just go to God and whether it's a small thing or a big thing, ask God for help? Why why is that so challenging for us? And why is it so easy to forget that we need God's help? Now, I'm not going to say that God answers all of our prayers. I've certainly prayed prayers that, you know, he he hasn't answered. Um, Whether it be small things, whether it be big things. But I do believe that God answers some prayers. And even if he doesn't answer all of our prayers, especially when it comes to things like lawnmowers or, or cell phones, in fact, Danielle, her cell phone broke early this, this past year, and she prayed over it, and it, it didn't come back on. So there, take that, Danielle. I felt kind of good about that. Um, <laughs> that. Not all of our prayers do get answered, but here's what I do know. I know that not all of our prayers will be answered in the way we ask, God might answer it in a different way. I know not all of our prayers will be answered in our timetable. God usually doesn't answer our prayers on our timetable, it seems. But I also know this, 100% of the prayers we don't pray won't get answered. Now, that sounds pretty obvious, but let me say it again. 100% of the prayers we don't pray won't get answered. James says it this way, James 4.2, the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God Jesus says it this way. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? He says, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. And we, ta- we saw this passage last week. Jesus goes on to say, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, my kids right now are playing soccer through their school, and they're also doing cross-country, but Logan came to me a little while um, ago, and and he said, Dad, I also want to do flag football. I said, no way you're going to do flag football. You're already doing soccer, cross-country. We're going to be very busy. He pestered me for like two to three weeks. Dad, I want to play flag football. Let me play flag football. Well, guess what we're taking him to this afternoon? His first flag football game, okay? Now, that is probably bad parenting, okay? But why is he now playing flag football? Because I'm his dad and I love him. And I wanted to give him this gift. And I want him to be able to play flag football. Now, listen, God is always going to do what's best for us. And he knows what is best for each of us. But you also need to hear the heart of your God this morning. He has a father's heart and he loves to give his children good gifts. Are you hearing that this morning? He loves to give good gifts, but don't miss the condition on our part. He's a father who gives good gifts to those who ask him. So what happens if we don't ask? Um, Well, recently I was reading about this king, King Asa. We read about him in in 2 Chronicles. And just to kind of set up this story, King Asa, he starts off really, really well. He starts uh, banning all of the idols that the people had set up to worship other gods, and he starts off as a really good king. In fact, the prophet comes to him early on in his reign, and we read this. This is the prophet talking to King Asa. He says, The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. What a great promise for us. This is a promise for all of us, by the way. If you seek him, you will find him, King Asa. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Okay? Now, the point here is not that God forsakes us or that God turns his back on us. But the point is, if we don't go to God and commit ourselves to him and make our requests known, we shouldn't expect to see his power at work in our life. And he says, but King Asa, if you seek God, you will find him. So King Asa, he starts off really well seeking God. He removes the idols from the land, and even the people recommit their lives to their God. In fact, we read this about the people a little a few verses later. They, the people of Judah, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. They shouted out their oath of loyalty to the Lord with trumpets blaring and horns sounding. I love this picture. It's the people of Judah worshiping their God, saying, God, we are fully committing ourselves again to you. We have seen your faithfulness, and we're going to trust you with our future. Um, There's a song that we've done from time to time here at Edinburgh Church called, I Will Look Up. And the chorus says something like, "I I will look back. And see that you are faithful. And I'll look ahead and see that you are able. I I love that. And I've often seen us singing that song, and I've been watching us from the back, and I've seen people who have their hands outstretched to, to, to God, just saying, God, I surrender to you. I believe this. I believe you are faithful and that my future can be entrusted into your hands. And some of us, we don't feel comfortable raising our hands, and that's perfectly fine, but I can just see us singing and reflecting about how God has been so faithful in our past. And then, of course, there's always the guy up front with the cup of coffee. He's like, hey, what are we doing over here? But, but you know, we love you too. <laughs> we love you too. But this is kind of the picture I get of, of the people of Judah. They're just kind of gathered, and they're worshiping God, and they are remembering what God has done for them, and they are entrusting their future. Back to him. And then we read, King Asa even went so far as to depose his his grandmother, Makah, from her position as queen mother because she had made an obscene Asherah pole. And this is his grandma, but he is going to kick her out of her position because she makes this obscene Asherah pole. Don't don't you want to know what was so obscene about this Asherah pole? Like, Grammy, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, here's what we know. This Asherah pole, it was used to worship the goddess Asherah. And Asherah was the goddess of fertility. And and so people would come to her. It was the god of the Canaanites, but even the people of Israel and the people of Judah began creating these poles, and they would come before this goddess, uh, you know, that that they believed would help give them a, a child. And so they would worship at these poles. And these poles were often associated with sensuality and cult prostitution. So you can maybe start to imagine what was so obscene about this pole, what it, what it looked like. And so King Asa goes as, as far as to even kick his naughty Grammy, you know, to the curb because of her Asherah, Asherah pole. But then, shortly after, we're going to read that this army is going to come against Judah. So what does King Asa do? Well, I would expect him to gather the people together and pray and ask God for help. But that's not what King Asa does. Rather, what he does is he goes into the temple of the Lord and he takes the silver and he takes the gold, the silver and the gold that belongs to God, and he gives it to another nation to form an alliance with this other nation so that they will protect them from this invading army. And this upsets God. Why? Because King Asa didn't come to him and didn't pray, didn't ask for his help. And so the prophet comes to King Asa and he says this, he says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been, King Asa. From now on, you will be at war. Asa became so angry That he threw the prophet into prison and he began to oppress some of the people. I just want to take a time out here and ask you a question. Where do you turn in your times of difficulty? Where do you go? You know, when life gets stressful and you get anxious and you get worried, where do you go? It's amazing that we can be here on Sunday and we can have our arms outstretched to God and we can surrender and we can sing these songs and we can remember his faithfulness. And then on Wednesday, we forget about God and we try to start doing things in our own strength and power again. That's what King Asa did. Rather than put his trust in God, the God who had been faithful, he started putting his trust in wealth and in other armies. And even as I was preparing this message this week, I started thinking about us. And and I felt led to say this. How many of us have had a desperate time in our past? A time that was hard and it brought us to our knees and we found ourselves crying out to God for his help and his rescue. And God was good. It might have taken weeks. It might have taken months. In some cases, it might have even taken years. But our God eventually led us into a spacious, green pasture And then we found ourselves there, rescued, and we said, God, you know what? I'm good now. I can start doing it on my own now. And we found ourselves stopping praying. not praying and beseeching God like we used to. I wonder if that's any of us this morning. We start thinking we can do it on our own. Well, King Asa does this. It doesn't go well for him. God tells him he will be at war. For now on, as a result. And as I read this story, I, I see two applications or two lessons for us this morning. And here's the first one. Prayer has got to be our first resort, not the last. Prayer has got to be our first resort, not the last. So yes, we need to take action, okay? Yes, there's things that we're going to need to do, but prayer needs to be the first thing that we do. Please don't walk out of here this morning and hear me saying, I don't need to go see a doctor or I don't need to take medicine. I just need to pray. If that's what you're hearing this morning, I have failed you as a pastor, okay? That's not what I'm trying to say. The problem was not that King Asa, you know, took action. The problem is that King Asa never consulted God. That's the problem. And I believe that if some of us, if we would go to God in prayer, God would lead us to the right doctor who has the right treatment plan. He would lead us to the right medicine that we need. He would lead us to the right group of friends that would help us to grow in our faith and be the best that we can be. He would lead us to the right financial plan that's gonna help us get out of debt. I believe if we would go to God, he would lead us into the right path because he can see the paths and the options that you and I can't see. Two summers ago, Danielle and I went up to Duluth And we went and we visited Enger Tower. Have any of you ever been to Enger Tower? You ever climbed it? So it's like this old tower that I think was used to survey the geography around Lake Superior, but you can still climb it today and you get this great scenery of of Lake Superior. And so my family went to the top, but then Danielle needed to take Callie down to the bathroom. So we all stayed up top, but she went down, and I could see her from from the top window. Um, I could see Danielle and Callie walk out of this thing. But as they were walking, uh, Callie, unbeknownst to Danielle, ran off. And so I'm watching this happen. And they were on this path that forked. Danielle was on one path, and Callie, she was on the other path. And in between these two paths were dense trees. So you couldn't see from one path to the other path. And I'm just watching this unfold, waiting to see when is Danielle going to notice that Callie's no longer at her side. Now, Callie was fine. She was bent down picking flowers on, on the path. But I eventually saw Danielle, like when it dawned on her, that Callie wasn't at her side. And there was a part of me that wanted to call and let her know, hey, Callie's just around the corner. But it was so entertaining to watch. I had to just let it unfold a little bit. So I, I just want to see, what would she do? And, and I see Danielle, like, start to, you know, look around, and she's even, like, doing circles, and then she starts actually climbing into the bushes and the trees. I'm like, okay, it's time to call. So I call Danielle, like, hey, she's just around the corner, and Danielle, you know, just walks around this corner, and sure enough, there is Callie. And here's my point. How many of us are like Danielle on that path, where that's all we can see? And and we're walking through the bushes and and we're trying to get what we want, but we're cutting ourselves and bruising ourselves in the process without going to the one who has the 30,000-foot view and can see all the paths and can see all the options that are best for our life. Friends, this is why we come to God first, is because he really does have our best intentions at heart. And he sees what you and I can't see. Why wouldn't we trust him and let him lead our lives? And so our lives should develop this rhythm where we pray and then we act. We pray and we entrust our lives to God and ask for his direction and then we act. Some people, you know, they pray but they never act. Like, Like some of you are wanting a spouse and you've prayed about it but you've never asked that person out on a date. By the way, if there's some dudes out here that are thinking about asking a girl out on a date, I want to challenge you to go do it. I mean, seriously, what's the worst that can happen? You know, maybe she says no. What's the best that can happen? You end up getting married, falling in love. And if you have a son, name him Brent, okay? (laughs) Because I am the one who challenged you to ask her out. You've got to take action, But the flip side is, some people, they take action and they never pray. And I would argue that is the more dangerous, the more dangerous of the two. So how do you know when you need to pray? Uh, A great indicator that should go off on your spiritual dashboard. Okay, God, I need to come to you first. Anytime you're feeling stressed, anytime you're worried, anytime you're feeling anxiety... Anytime you're afraid, this is a great opportunity. Okay, God, I need to go to you, and I need to pray. I love what we read in uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. The Apostle Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Rather than focusing your attention on your problem and what you're worried about, it's saying, go to God and focus on God and pray to him. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which is more wonderful than the human mind can understand. You say, "I, I could never not worry. I could never not be stressed. You know what? That's okay. That can be used by God in your life to teach you to pray and to depend on God. Use that in your life. It's not God's intent that you're worried and that you're anxious That's the result of living in a fallen and broken world. But God can use our stress. He can use our anxiety to teach us and to prompt us to come to him and pray. In fact, some of the the most spiritually strong people I know who have some of the deepest peace in this world that I know are people who have struggled with worry and anxiety and fear their whole lives. So don't make God your last resort. Make him your first resort. But here's the second thing I I see in this story of King Asa. Prayer reveals what you really trust. Prayer is going to reveal to you whether you really trust God or not. We read uh, again about King Asa. The prophet um, says this to him, says, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. Underline that. You missed your chance. Friends, those words should haunt us a little bit. I can tell you these are four words I don't ever want to hear God say to me. Brent, you missed your chance. You missed your chance for breakthrough. You missed your, your opportunity. You missed your chance for victory because you didn't come to me and pray. The prophet goes on to say, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, before there were drones, before there were satellites, God's eyes were searching the earth looking for men and women whose hearts were fully committed to him. And guess what? He's still doing that today. He's looking for people who are committed to To him. Psalm 27 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Just ask you, what are you trusting in these days? Most of you would probably not, you know, it wouldn't be horses and chariots, but maybe it's your wealth. Maybe it's your job. your relationship with someone else or your children's achievements. What are you trusting in? these days. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, prayer is faith become audible. Faith become audible. How do you know you have faith? Because you pray. It shows that you trust in this God. I love this story. At, um, it was happened many years before I went to Dallas Seminary, uh, but the, the seminary found itself falling on hard times financially. And so um, the president called a bunch of professors together, and they, they prayed. And Professor uh, Harry Ironside, he quoted Psalm 5010, and he said, God, you own the, the hills, the cattle on a 1,000 hills. And then he said, so God, would you please sell some of them so that we can keep our doors open? Well, God doesn't normally answer prayers this quickly, but the, the, the president's secretary came in shortly after and handed the president a note, letting him know that a $10,000 check had just come in. And so the president turned to uh, Harry Ironside and said, Well, Harry, it looks like God sold the cattle. Well, God must have quite the sense of humor because the person who gave them the $10,000 check was a Texas cattle rancher (laughs) (laughs) who sold some of his cattle and gave the money to the seminary. Let me ask you this question How big is your God? How big is is your God? Is he big enough to heal your marriage? I know some of you, that's where you're at. You're like, my marriage is stuck. It would take a miracle for my marriage to be healed. Is God big enough to heal your marriage? Is he big enough to save your child? Is he bigger than your MRI or your doctor's report? Is God bigger than your biggest sin, your biggest hopes, your biggest dreams? Listen, I believe this one question that God is going to ask all of us. Is there any limit to what I can do in your life? Is there anything that's too big for me? Friends, I'm telling you, God is bigger than your biggest problem. He's bigger than your biggest dream, his grace is greater than your worst sin or mistake. There is nothing too big or too hard for God. Look at what the prophet Jeremiah 32, 17, um, Jeremiah says in this verse, he says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and you have made the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I truly believe this. There's not a problem, there's not an issue there is not a sin that is too big or too hard for God in your life, but don't take my word for it. This is something you need to experience for yourself. In my hands here, I have a box of Sour Patch Kids. There's a few things I love in this, in this world. I love my family. I love my wife and kids. I love football season. I love the fall, and I love Sour Patch Kids. In fact, my glands start hurting All right, just thinking about devouring into the sweet but tangy goodness that is Sour Patch Kids. (laughs) Side note, my teeth start to hurt, too. Now, listen, I could tell you all the ingredients that are in Sour Patch Kids, okay? First ingredient, sugar. Second ingredient, invert sugar. Third ingredient, corn syrup, which is sugar, okay? Okay? I could also tell you it's got hydrochloric acid in it, which is a corrosive used to make uh, rust removers. It's got paper potassium hydroxide in it, which is used for alkaline batteries. And it's got sodium hydroxide in it, a chemical used for detergents and drain cleaners. But that still wouldn't describe the sweet and tangy goodness that is Sour Patch Kids. Now, here's the reality. I can tell you every ingredient that's in Sour Patch Kids, and your rational mind would know all the ingredients that are in here. But until you took one and tasted it for yourself, you would not know Sour Patch Kids. You would not have experienced Sour Patch Kids for yourself. There are things our rational minds can know. But until our sensing tongue tastes it, We won't actually experience it. See, friends, I can get up here and I can preach about God's goodness and him being bigger than your biggest problem. I I can tell you that God answered prayer at Rock the Block. You can hear other people's uh, miracles that God has done in their life. But until you actually start praying yourself, you will not experience the power of God for yourself. I put this in your handout. Prayer is how you taste God's power. You want to know your God? You want to know his power in your life? You've got to go to him and you've got to pray. Look at this great invitation we get from Psalm 34. Let this be the invitation for all of us this morning. Taste and see that the Lord is And it's come to God this morning. What's keeping you from coming to this God and making your prayer requests known? At the bottom of your handout, I put some lines, and that's just to help get you jump-started in your prayer life. I mean, write it out. Start a prayer journal this week. Because sometimes when we write it out, it forces us to get more specific what our prayers really are. But my challenge to us this week is write out your prayers and start going to God and taste and see for yourself the power of the God who loves you. I know some of you this morning, you are, your faith is hanging by a thread, and your faith is weak. The good news for us this morning is Jesus says he's with us, and one of the things Jesus can do for all of us is he can strengthen our faith. He can renew our faith. He says if we have even the faith the size of a mustard seed, he can use that in our life to do great and amazing things. And so if you have just a little faith this morning, I want to challenge you to go to God, and that's going to be my prayer for you as I close this out. God, just give us faith. Help us to be a church that believes that you are bigger, that you are greater, and that nothing is impossible for you. And so here's what I'm going to ask us to do. If you can, would you please stand? I want to pray that prayer over you. Lord Jesus, you tell us you will strengthen our faith and that you will give us faith. And I know there are some here this morning who desperately, desperately need some faith. Maybe you've said no to some prayer requests that they've prayed. And maybe their faith has waned or maybe they're looking at their problem and maybe their problem seems too big. God, would you remind all of us this morning that nothing is impossible for you, that you really do have our best intentions at heart and that you can lead us very well. Help us to believe that this morning, Lord. Strengthen us, renew us, and let us be known as the church that prays and may we see the miracles that come. You have been faithful in our past and we will trust that you are able to do even greater things in our future. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, Pastor Brent here. Thanks for watching this Edinburgh Church message. We hope you found it encouraging, inspiring, and because of the message of Jesus Christ, ultimately, life-giving. Hey, it's because of people just like you that we are able to do this ministry, which is why I want to encourage you to consider becoming a part of the Edinburgh Church Foundation, meaning to become a financial supporter of this ministry. I believe it is the greatest investment we can make, seeing lives eternally changed. Uh, you can do that by giving it a one-time gift or even better, becoming an ongoing supporter. All you got to do is go to EdinburghChurch.org and look for the Give tab in the top right corner. Thanks again for watching.